In many ways, author George Orwell was a modern-day prophet. He understood the idea of evil, but never understood its true source. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. What a week this has been. It's been a busy time, an exciting time, a challenging time. We've dealt with a number of news stories this week that really do impact your life. But there's something I really believe that has a greater influence on your life than mere politics. It has a greater influence on your life than the media or social media or anything else. And that is understanding the source of evil in our world. Like I said, George Orwell wrote the novel, 1984. Big Brother is watching. And in many ways, he's a modern day prophet because we're seeing all the warnings he gave in his book about totalitarianism, not so much communism, totalitarianism, leftism. He exposed it for what it is. And here we are watching it play out right before our very eyes. And, and how can that possibly be? It's because in much of the West, we have ceased to be a moral and godly people. And we see this evil entering even our churches and consuming them and destroying them from within. Here's an example. Welcome to worship as we celebrate today, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost and also our Pride Sunday. Good for you, all you who wore your pride colors. We're glad to see the celebration of ECLC's commitment to full inclusion of all people and the full inclusion of our whole selves, each of us as well. Now I'm gonna say a few things that are rather tough, but they need to be said. I'm tired of these churches that claim to be followers of Christ spitting in the face of our Lord and making a mockery of his death on the cross and the work that he accomplished at Calvary. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so you could celebrate your sin. He died on the cross so you could be free of your sin. What kind of an antichrist church, and that's what it is, an antichrist church, would gather on a Sunday morning in June to celebrate in a worship service the things that God forbids in scripture you have to eliminate parts of the bible you've got to make a mockery of scripture you have to decide you're a pick and chooser i don't like this so i'm not going to buy it god you do it my way god we voted to do it my, my way our way not your way this is the evil of our church today in many places and i've gotten to the point that I've had all I can stand. As Popeye the sailor once said, I've had alls I can stand and I can't stands no more. When I look at the state of much, if not the majority of churches in the United States, it is appalling. It is heartbreaking. It just pains me to see what has become of once great churches. But I'm not surprised. I am absolutely not surprised. The seeds of this dissent, the seeds of this corruption were sown a long time ago. 
and those in authority at the time that could have stopped it, could have stood up to it, played politics, rolled over, and did nothing. Colleges first, seminaries next, were infiltrated by these lovers of themselves and haters of God. They had created their own gods, and they were no different than the children of Israel. When Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, it didn't take them long to create their own God to celebrate their own sins. Sound familiar? There's nothing new under the sun, my friends. And now we have churches that celebrate openly the things that God abhors, that Scripture has definitive warnings But no, we don't care what God says. We got together in Minneapolis, or we got together at this meeting or that meeting, and we voted God. We're not going to, we don't want to do this anymore this way. So we voted to order you to do it our way. And we're going to do it our way and claim we're doing it in the name of the Lord. Now, the particular church that was doing that celebration, they're not an isolated church, trust me. Just one that was out there on the internet for all to see and proud of who they are. And I spent some time at their website. I'm not going to even bother to tell you where they are. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America was started with a great idea of several church bodies many, many, many years ago, decades ago. And they have allowed corruption to enter like leaven. And they have been destroyed from the inside out. Oh, I know there are probably some nice older people that go to the church. I was looking at the video of the guy opening that service. And they're showing a picture of the congregation. And there were some young people there, mostly grandkids, I might add, not parents, grandkids, a lot of white-haired people sitting in, in those chairs, all old hippies probably buying into all of this corrupt theology and celebrating it. Everybody there with their literally the hair color of a Q-tip. And then they're bringing their grandchildren in to hear these reprobates for the little children's sermonette. These so-called ordained pastors, what are they ordained into? Christ's church or the church of Satan? And I really believe that church is nothing more than a synagogue of Satan. The early church established some pretty simple understandings of the faith once delivered to the saints. They had creeds. These are just simple statements of what we believe. The, you know, the, the real basics What do we believe? The Apostles' Creed was one. As a child, I memorized it. It wasn't that hard to do. And it's become a part of who I am to this day. Yeah, I was raised in a Lutheran church, but a very conservative, Bible-believing, still is Lutheran church. It's not a part of the ELCA or any other corrupt Lutheran group around the world. They have been rotted out from the inside. Terribly. 
But now, during Pride Month, which ended a few weeks ago, as you know, and not a moment too soon, they had one of the associate pastors of that church. You heard the first one opening up the service. And then this one sharing what was called their new creed. In other words, we're, we're, we don't need the old creeds anymore. We need to change those creeds. We need the Sparkle Creed. I invite you to rise in body or spirit. And let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. Now, where do I even begin in discussing this insidious creed? It's blasphemy to begin with. It's total blasphemy. It makes a mockery of the Holy Spirit. It reduces Jesus to just a person, not the living Son of God. Everything you just heard, I believe, has satanic origin. Every bit of it. And this is what is going on in so many of the mainstream churches in the Western world. Churches that 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 400 years ago, stood for something holy and godly and biblical have rejected it out of hand. When I talk a lot on this program about the great falling away, I am not necessarily talking about those that may reject the faith, just decide they're no longer believers. The majority of those falling away are falling into this. Let me say that again. These are people or church bodies that once knew the light of God. The book of Revelation, in talking about the seven churches of Asia Minor, talks about a church that lost its lampstand. In other words, the Holy Spirit is gone. Why is it gone? Because they have gone into heresy intentionally. They've rejected God. They've rejected his word. They've made a mockery of the faith. This is what has occurred. And this really, more so than what we may think, the great falling away, yeah, we just no longer believe. Well, that's true. In that church, they no longer believe the truth. They have believed a lie. And they willingly have believed a lie. All those white-haired old hippies hanging around that church, 
are putting themselves into the gates of hell permanently. Permanently. There is no life in that church. I'm Before I open this microphone to say these words that I'm saying, I'm saying, Lord, empower me, guide me, make sure that I say what needs to be said. The Bible says you will know them by their fruits. This is evil and bad fruit. God never uses sin to glorify himself. Did you hear that? God's not going to endorse sin. He can't endorse something that mocks him, that makes a mockery of Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, and his glorious coming again. This church has made a total mockery of it. There is no life in them. And they can laugh at me. They can scorn me. I don't care. And they're the type that would. They would have the little look in their eye, the little smirky smile. But love is love is love. No, it is. It's lust. It's lust. It's lust. And you can't see it because you have deceived yourself into Satan's grasp And you probably have never understood what the Bible means by given over to delusion. These people are deluded. The congregation is sitting there worshiping not the living God. They're worshiping an imposter God. They're worshiping Moloch. They're worshiping Diana. They're worshiping Ishtar and others. They're not worshiping the God of the Bible. They're worshiping the gods that are nothing but demons of Satan around this world as they fly their rainbow colors. And you got to go back. Let's go back to, let's say, the 1970s just for a moment. I already saw some seeds being sown in some churches back in the 70s, but a lot of churches figured, oh, yeah, but it's not happening here. We don't do those kind of things here. Our, our little church here in Georgia or our little church here in, in Virginia or in the southern tier of New York, we're, we're still solid, man. We're still, we're still Bible-believing. And just because there are a few of those inner-city churches with a bunch of people wearing you know, collars and blue jeans and trying to be hip and cool, it's not happening here. But it started happening in their colleges, their universities, and even their seminaries. One by one by one, the seminaries became co-opted. And the spirit of Antichrist descended into once great seminaries. They've been destroyed from within. And all the warning signs were there. And those that could have done something failed to do anything. You now have churches. And here's an example of what happens when the world comes into contact with anything biblical. Let me say that again. This is an example of what happens when the world comes into contact with with anything biblical. Now, late last week, Iowa passed a six-week abortion ban. Okay? 
the state of Iowa passed a six-week abortion ban. And the state's Capitol building was amassed with very terroristic militant women seeking to do anything they could do to stop the state from interfering with their self-imposed right to murder kids. Especially when those kids are considered inconvenient. Now, there was a protester. He was a reformed pastor by the name of Michael Shover of Christ the Redeemer Church. And he made a attempt to counter the cultural, you know, the, these evil individuals with a plea to see God's human beings as God intended as a reflection of himself. And as you can hear in the background, none of these women or their wimpy men that were with them. I'm looking at a picture of one. If you've never believed that there could be demons in somebody's eyes, I watched this woman interact with this pastor. You can hear the noise in the background, screaming, angry, just bitter. If looks could kill, this woman's eyes could do it. And I feel for the pastor, and here's why. You're throwing pearls before swine. I know, I know we're supposed to be engaged in the world, but you are now with a group that has sold themselves out to permanent damnation and delusion. There's going to be no repentance among this group. And their anger toward anybody that believes that life is precious, they're angered. They're angry. They demand the right to kill children. And they expect you to do it. They expect you to pay for it. And I'm telling you, this is ancient paganism. This is of Satan. And then you have churches today that send out their little pastors or pastorettes or whatever you want to call them, wearing their little rainbow stoles to bless abortion clinics and Planned Parenthood. Oh, I'm sure that Jesus would come to Planned Parenthood and bless all the dead children and say it was good. Yet they believe this lie. Their hearts are hardened. Their souls are corrupt. They espouse nothing but evil. There is no good left in them. These pro-choicers at that rally screaming, just screaming in anger with demonic eyes flashing and, and they want no restrictions of any kind, right? Even up till after birth. If they decide they want to change their mind, this is the world today in which we live. Sparkle creeds, celebrating deviant sex. Oh yes, and let's not forget we need to be blessing those clinics that can do gender affirmation surgeries for young children. We think it's a wonderful idea at some of these Lutheran churches, Episcopal churches, United Methodist churches, some Presbyterian churches, and I go down the list, United Church of Christ. Most of their congregations today, I'm saying it, you may get mad at me, and that's okay, I don't care. My job is to give you a clear warning to be a watchman on the wall. If I fail to speak the truth, then this program is of no value. 
If I'm here trying to keep up a status quo, well, my congregation isn't like that, even though my denomination is. Get out of that denomination. Get your church out of that denomination. And if they won't, then you get out of that denomination. Find a Bible-believing church. Doesn't have to be perfect, but it certainly shouldn't be satanic in its desires and its goals and the things that they espouse the most. You don't hear the gospel preached in these churches. You hear a social gospel preached that has nothing to do with the real gospel. What did St. Paul say? If any man or even angel come preaching to you another gospel, it is not the gospel. It is an anathema. It is to be rejected. It is to be condemned. And these churches, like these ELCA churches, full of all these white-haired old hippies today, oh, they're hanging on because my parents helped build the building or my grandparents donated the land, or I've been going there all my life, and, and you have been gradually just destroyed spiritually by these churches, and they will pay a price before the throne of God, and you will pay a price if you stay there. How much more clear can I be? I need to give you this warning. If you are in the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, they are not evangelical. They're not even a church. Church implies the body of Christ. They are not the body of Christ. They're not the living body of Christ on this earth. They're the embodiment of everything that is contrary to the body of Christ. They're the evangelical antichrist church today in too many places. Oh, it doesn't happen in my congregation. But your leadership is corrupt at the very top and at the core. Your bishops, your leadership, your councils are corrupt. And if you are in one of those churches, never go back again. Pick up, kick the dust off. Do not touch the unclean thing. Get out of there. Get out. God's judgment is coming. And those churches will feel the impact of that judgment. Get out. Get out today. Do not touch the unclean thing. If your church, if your church is all for abortion or chooses not to get into the conversation, get out. If your church is wishy-washy about should men marry men and women marry women and men go to women's bathrooms, get out. If they cannot be clear about godly things and it's an ungodly church, what, what else can I tell you? I've been trying to warn you for three years. In a world full of lies, the person telling the truth is the enemy. And I don't care how many people listening to this on radio laugh at me, mock me, make comments in social media. I really could care less. Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. Show how tiny your little minds are. 
Write me a letter full of four-letter words. Go for it. Just shows how immature you are. You have nothing of substance to share except your stupidity, your arrogance, and your immaturity. You're a child. You're a childlike person in an adult body. And you can laugh at God all you want. The Bible says God will not be mocked. And the church today, I'm not going to even bother to play this. I was going to, but I I just cannot bring myself to play it because it, it is almost so nonsensical and hard to follow. But it's a beautiful building, a United Methodist Church building, and they have a drag queen preaching in the pulpit. Oh, there's a Presbyterian church that has has a, a freshly ordained pastor who goes by, he goes by the name of, of Pentecost as he dresses in drag like a woman. This is what is getting into the pulpits. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. It is here. It's alive. It's well. It is growing. And the great falling away is not people that are just rejecting the gospel. And not going to church, becoming an atheist. No, the falling away is falling into these satanic traps that will condemn these people to hell. I'm saying it. I'm proclaiming it. Because as I said, The watchman on the wall is worthless and is condemned by God if the warning doesn't go out. The warning is going out today to my audience. I don't care if you're listening in Canada, the United States, in Europe, somewhere across the continent of Africa, Asia, doesn't matter. South America, doesn't matter. If your church has walked away from the true gospel and is espousing these evil beliefs and wrapping it up in the word love, 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 love. We love everybody, everything. We even love sin. Get out from among them and do not touch the unclean thing. I can't say it loud enough. I can't say it strong enough. We are at a crossroad here in the United States. You've been at a crossroad in Canada and the United Kingdom and Australia for a long time. And God's hand of protection is being lifted away. I really believe here in the United States and Canada, we've been condemned by God already. And now we just await the sentence and the judgment. We've been found guilty on all counts of abandoning the faith once delivered. We've been found guilty of mocking God. You know, I think of politicians, and I want you to listen to this little audio clip. This goes back a few years, but it tells you the direction that our nation has been going, and it's been doing this for decades, let alone a few years ago. Jerry Nadler, congressperson from New York, serves the congressional district that includes Manhattan. These these individuals, they think they're gods. They think that there's eternal life somewhere for them somehow. They don't understand 
the dire consequences in this world. And a fellow congressman made a statement about biblical morality. And this is what this disgusting individual that claims to be a congressman had to say. Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Mr. Nadler, whatever opinions and votes you take in your congressional chamber is of no concern of God's either. But it better be a concern of yours if what you are pushing in those chambers is an affront, an assault, an insult, or a mockery of an almighty God. When I come back in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk a little bit more about this topic. I I just feel I've been putting it off for a long time. And And I could probably find you hundreds and hundreds of examples of apostate churches that have just abandoned the faith, that have made a mockery of God, that are bringing in the rainbow stoles and they're bringing in the drag queens to teach children in the church. And they claim to you that God is such love that he just thinks it's wonderful that we're doing all these things. It's wonderful that we're affirming having four, five, and six-year-old kids being confused about their gender identity. And we think that killing a child in the womb is doing God's work. Only somebody satanically deceived could ever believe any of that. And that goes for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Sorry, but I'm telling you the truth. If you're a member of one, get out of it today. I don't care how godly your little church is. Get out of it today because your money is going to your district, going to support that church at the top. Get out from among them. Do not touch the unclean thing. If your church body has congregations celebrating drag queens in pulpits and in front of kids, get out and do not touch the unclean thing. This is a sign of the age in which we live. And I see Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse coming to play right before my very eyes. And the falling away, people thought just walking away from the faith. No, it's worse. It's claiming they are in the faith. A counterfeit faith. And they're sharing that counterfeit faith. And too many Bible-believing churches have been too lazy to get up and do anything. Now, do you believe in our ministry here of what we're trying to do at Truth to Ponder? Sure, we, we tackle some of the secular issues during the week. We do. 
We try to bring you truth. We've been doing it for almost three years. And there are times that I I get very disappointed and I, I wonder, should I continue to bother to do this? Then there are times I realize, faint not. Continue to be the watchman. Just because some people don't hear your warning, you still have to give that warning. And that's why we're here. Would you consider today giving us your financial support, maybe for the very first time? There are some opportunities that I cannot take advantage of until I know we are in a position to do it. And it doesn't take a big, large gift. If you add up a bunch of small ones, it becomes, it all works in God's economy. I have people that send tiny amounts and some that send large. And when it all comes together, it meets the need for that month. But I see the need is going to be getting greater in the days and months ahead. If we are to take advantage of the opportunities that God has given us. You can support us from our website, which is truththenumber2ponder.com. Truththenumber2ponder.com. You can also make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. And the address is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C H I L H O W I E, Chilhowie, Virginia. Zip code 24319. That's 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Chilhowie, Virginia 24319 and when we get back we're going to talk some solutions not just exposing the problems this is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman the two and a half thousand year wait Shalom Aleichem this is the nice Jewish boy Jonathan Kahn your Jewish connection bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out I'm receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Do you have any idea how long the Jewish people have been waiting for Messiah? They've been waiting for Messiah from the time of the prophets Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah was waiting, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah. And he came, but he's still being waited for. The Jewish people, some accepted, but most missed. So they're still waiting. And been waiting through the first century, second century, middle ages, renaissance, industrial revolution, uh, 20th century. Still waiting for over two and a half thousand years. That's a long wait. Wow. And they haven't given up. I mean, the, the religious ones, the, they're still waiting. Imagine waiting for somebody for 2,000 years. Can you imagine? That person must be so important. And the thing is, you have him. You have the one for whom the Jewish people have been waited, waiting that long, thousands of years. He must be so great. How much more should you live gloriously in light of that? How much more? How great is your Messiah? How great is your salvation? If they waited and longed for him so long, how much more must you live for him all out with all faith, all confidence, all joy, all focus, all perseverance? How much more? You've got the one worth waiting for for more than a millennium. And you don't have to wait to know him and to love him and to follow him and to sit at his feet and to dwell in his kingdom. Go all out for Messiah because the one, he's the one who is worth waiting for. He just happens to be the one you have right now. So treasure him, cherish him, 
Go all out for him. Make the most of him. Want more? Ask for a special message on CD, the message Mashiach. Now, the free gifts for you. The mystery hidden for 2,000 years in the sands of Israel, better than Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's real, and Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD. You'll love it. And Sapphire is your daily spiritual vitamin supply for a victorious life in God. How do you get all these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. So to get your free gifts, just call now, one 800 Yeshua 1. You will be blessed, but call now 1-800-Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. I invite you to minister with me and bring the good news back to the people who gave it to you. Israel and to the unreached peoples of every tribe and tongue on five continents. You will be blessed. How? It's amazing. Through shortwave radio, you can touch the world. Blanket the earth with salvation. Just call 1-800-Yeshua-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. It's right to the nice Jewish boy at box 1111. It's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. The zip 07644. That's the nice Jewish Boy Box 1111. That's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. The zip 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend. In Messiah, the one worth waiting for, Rabinu, our rabbi and teacher. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now listen, the first part of this program, I was very animated. And for good reason. I am sick of the church sitting on the sidelines pretending everything's going to be all right. Maybe it'll get better on its own. Or maybe I can just stay at home in my easy chair and wait till Jesus comes again and gets us out of here, however he does it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to sit in your lazy boy recliner being lazy and waiting for Jesus to come again. Nowhere. It's not there. Stop believing that lie. There are many times that my life would be vastly easier if I said, I'm not doing this radio program anymore. It's too, it's too depressing. But then what in the world would God think of me as his servant if I refuse to do his work? And that's where the church is failing miserably in more places than not. And I'm saying among true Bible-believing evangelical churches, they're afraid to engage. They're waiting behind the lines. They don't know what to do. There's no Moses. There's no leader. There's nothing but fear. The ability of government suppression, media condemnation has weakened those that should take a stand. And instead, we're celebrating these weird and woke churches. Story from a couple of weeks ago. Not even two weeks ago, about a week and a half ago. And this comes out of the United Church of Christ. Not to be confused with the Church of Christ you see in many, many communities. United Church of Christ, I believe they were known as other names in the past. They had their 
annual church general synod. And they had many emotional stories denouncing the Dobbs decision and proclaiming abortion is really health care. And in a vote, now listen to this is the United Church of Christ. They passed a resolution, 611 votes in favor, 24 against, and only thir- and 13 abstaining. Let me say that again. The United Church of Christ believes in infanticide. They are evil. This is what that church stands for. There is no health. There is no life in that church. If you're in that church, get out of that church immediately. Today. Don't go there ever again. Leave it today. Don't even leave a forwarding address. Just get out and do not touch the unclean thing. They're talking about if you can't have an abortion, that's that, that's an act of sexual violence. And we need also care for transgendering little children too because, you know, we realize that so many young kindergarten kids are gay or they're trans. The United Church of Christ is a sick and evil institution. The Holy Spirit is gone. The church is dead. It is reeking of death. There's no Holy Spirit there. There's a spirit of the Antichrist all through that church body today. There's another story I have in front of me. This goes back about a year, but it's still relevant today. And I want you to understand this morphing of once faithful church bodies to being churches with the spirit of Antichrist. If you go back to like 1869, Presbyterian Church in the USA, they were worrying about unscriptural views about marriage, divorce, and infanticide. The assembly regards the destruction by parents of their own offspring before birth as a crime against God and a crime against nature. A hundred years later, the General Assembly of the church adopted a report holding that abortion should not be just an individual decision on the part of a physician and couple. Now remember, this is 10 years before the legalization of abortion in the United States. In 1966, they started to restudy sexuality in the human community. They thought that abortion should be taken out of the realm of law altogether and made a matter of careful ethical decision of women. Her physician, maybe her pastor. That's what happened by 1967. By 1970... It moves another layer. By 1972, women should have full freedom of personal choice concerning the completion or termination of their pregnancies. Now, let's be honest. Those things were happening at the synod level, and I would assure you that probably, oh, I don't know, a Presbyterian church, USA, maybe in a small town in South Carolina, Texas, Alabama, Tennessee, Southwest Virginia. 
they chose to ignore those kind of issues and never dwell on them. But they were going on behind the scenes, and now today, you've got Presbyterian pastors blessing abortion clinics. Within 150 years, they went from being a church that believed in the sanctity of human life to a church that believes in Moloch worship and killing of innocent life. That's where we are today. And then over in the United Methodist Church, wasn't long ago, they they had a candidate for ministry who's a drag queen. And this drag queen, all dressed up in her dresses and wigs, preaches this kind of a strange and foreign gospel. I am really uncomfortable with the story of the crucifixion, with like analogies of the cross and metaphors and all that symbology. Because to me, it's hard to move past the idea of the cross as anything but a torturous death trap, a death thing, um, a symbol of sustained harm and insurmountable, painful loneliness. At least that was until I read what Jenny had given me. The commentary of the queer, uh, the queer Bible commentary uh, transposes the story of Christ, this, really every story in the Bible, but specifically this one was about the, the crucifixion, and it transposes that onto the story of the queer experience. Well, I don't know about you, but I found everything that he had to say, this drag queen Methodist pastor, very disturbing. Very disturbing. And trying to say I'm uncomfortable, well, yeah, I mean, the idea of dying on a cross is uncomfortable. It is a shameful death done by human beings against the Son of God. I get that. But then to take the death of Jesus on the cross and then illuminate it in the light of queerness. Now, that's the real shame. And this is what passes for a pastor, a teacher, and a theologian in much of the United Methodist Church. And you wonder why there's a division going on. There are, I read an article a while back, and I'm going to try to kind of encapsulate it for you. In your church, wherever you go, whatever its name, whether it's a community church, whether it's a denominational church, what it doesn't matter. The stakes are getting higher and higher as more churches are abandoning the faith once delivered. Remember, in these latter times, people will heap upon themselves teachers, as St. Paul says to Timothy, wanting to hear only what they want to hear. They'll hire pastors that will encourage their sin and never preach against it. And they'll live in this delusion that everything is wonderful. Here's some things to look at. The stakes are high. Does your pastor ever indicate there may be many roads to God and salvation? There are some out there today. Episcopalians are among them, some Lutherans. (laughs) A lot of the main lines. They believe that they're 
There are strands of truth in Islam and Hinduism and what have you. And in the end, they'll all find their way to to heaven. If you have a pastor that's ever taught that, get out of that church. Now, here's one that you've got to really listen to. This is probably the great deception. You heard it on the first half of the program. It'll be preached all weekend, all over the world, by many reprobate, apostate, and satanically filled churches. They only teach about the love of God. Well, Bob, that sounds kind of harsh, isn't Jesus? Didn't he? Doesn't he love us? Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Yeah, that's true. But if all a pastor ever teaches is the love of God and never preaches the need to repent. By the way, repent means turn from your sin and, and, and you work to sin no more. Not that you can, and that's something else I'll get to in just a second. We can never earn our salvation. And God is not going to take it away because we're, we're not perfect. But you can willfully reject what God has given you on your own. Just understand that. If somebody's not teaching the whole counsel of God, then you've got a problem. Like I say, all religions being equal, just the love of God. God loves God loves your sexuality. God loves the fact that the two men are getting married, like, you know, Mayor Pete and his husband or wife. Well, I'm not sure who's which. The church takes no moral stand on critical cultural issues, or the one they take is non-biblical. If everything is just an just a pep talk with a little side of Jesus, and everything is entertainment, and they don't touch things like abortion, sexual identity. They, they, they want to just, you know, we don't want to upset anybody. Then your pastor is no longer a watchman on the wall. And he's failed in his mission. And he should not be a pastor. I'm saying it out loud. If your pastor will not speak out against sin in this world. And if he tries to be a coward or her, whatever the case may be, get out of that church. Get out of that church. They're no longer a church preaching the gospel. They're preaching this new man-made gospel of appeasement. And it is the root cause which how you get people like, you know, Pastor Penny Cost or the Sparkle Creed or the celebration of Pride Month in a church or the blessing of abortion clinics and having kids in an Episcopal church praying we need more access to reproductive care, which is just the murder of a child. When the Bible is no longer honored as the highest authority for faith and life and people's experience or authors or opinions take a higher level, even in some churches, their prayer books. When sermons are emotionally based rather than biblically based, look, I preach, and I know there are times you use emotion to drive home a point. I get it. That is a normal way of giving and delivering any kind of a message. 
But if there's no Bible in it, if there's no biblical discernment as a part of that message, then you head down that road to pluralism, universalism, heresy, error. The stuff we're seeing in many of our churches today. I mean, I've shared just a couple of minor examples. But you want to know, this weekend there'll be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of these heretical antichrist pastors in pulpits in front of congregations leading their people, their flock, straight into the gates of hell. I know trying to find a decent church is not easy. I get it. And I know there's no such thing as a a perfect church because there are no perfect people, but there are churches. You know, as I've just mentioned, they're out there. They are the church of the Antichrist. They willfully reject. And I know the church is full of hypocrites and people that are sinners. I get it. The church is not a museum of saints. It's a hospital for sinners. That's what it was declared to be from the very beginning, and to think otherwise is is not right. I started a small church here in Virginia. Not that I thought that at my age doing one more church is going to change the world from one little building and seven mile forward. A church has got a multi-fold mission. Number one, absolutely for the local people in the region that come to that church, that they will be taught, informed, blessed, and have a place to worship in spirit and in truth. But after watching what happened in the pandemic and how many churches were shut down and people had nowhere to go, no way to go, and churches struggling for the first time to take their ministry outside their four comfortable walls and they couldn't bring people in. How many people holding up their little cell phones trying to do a live broadcast and you couldn't understand a word being said? It really became imperative to me If I ever did one more church, and I thought I had retired, honestly, I thought I had retired from active ministry. But God said otherwise. Our little church building, it doesn't seat a large crowd. It's a small church. We have a lot of learning to do together moving forward. But I made sure the ability of taking the service outside of the four walls is there with cameras and an audio system. We pray that we can get our streaming to work each and every Sunday, that you can have the services available on multiple platforms. And even on this radio program, you will from time to time hear a sermon preached in that church. I felt it was important. And I and my goal is not to be some big-time operation with millions of viewers. It's not the point. If I have 50 or 100, that God is called to be a part of that church at a distance, that's fine. 
I pray that other churches catch the same vision in their communities and do the same things to teach, to preach, to be faithful, to be a watchman on the wall, to take the message outside of their four walls and stop hiding behind your windows and and your hymnals and whatever else you're hiding behind. Take the gospel to the streets and take it into the media, take it into social media, take it to the internet for as long as that door is open. Maybe someday we're going to have to put stuff on itty bitty little tiny SD drives like you have in cameras and mail this stuff to people when the internet can't be used. It could be shared that way in, in tiny computers. Regardless, it is our obligation to get the good news out to all those that need to hear it. There's no doubt that there are people that have walked away and totally rejected the faith. I saw a story about a gal named Stephanie. She was a 90s church kid attending all the evangelical churches, but later in life she walked away from her faith entirely and over time has become an atheist. But then you have some of these churches that I mentioned, like the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church USA, United Methodist Church, United Church of Christ. I can go down a long list. You know what I'm talking about. Even some Baptist churches where they've abandoned the faith once delivered. They're preaching another gospel. Book of Revelation, chapter 2, talks about one such church. The church at Ephesus. These things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have per persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. Nevertheless, I have this one thing against you. You have left your first love. And the warning comes, unless you repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Much of the church today is in that boat in the United States. Listen, we're out of time. If you want to find out about the church we're building, Go to trinitychapelvirginia.com, trinitychapelvirginia.com. If you can help us financially, visit our website. You can support us from truththenumber2ponder.com or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. That's Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, Zip code 24319, 24319, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder. Shining the light of truth in a darkening world.